Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a great message from one of our guest speakers. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. share with you this this morning I think it's been uh I did want to sh- on having a blessed life I really want to share something quite a big revelation I've got tonight but I even you know, I don't know if any of you preachers know you get all set up and you you do prep and you work and you go okay God I know what I'm going to do this morning and then last night it changed <laughs> oh so I had to quickly do some study on it but I really want to talk to you this morning on sonship I believe that one of the best ways to ever be blessed is to understand your identity as a son of God. Okay, don't overwhelm me with that big amen. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There are, two, there are two things that drive us as human beings. Two things. The number one thing is our identity. Who we believe we are. Other words like this. What I feel about me. Not what I present, but what I, sometimes who I'm trying to cover up. You know, we wear our, our Sunday person to church, don't we? We, rub, we scrub ourselves, we spray ourselves, we put on a smile, we carry up, dust our Bible off and bring it to church. We can have a fight on the way in and then we get here and we're loving, oh, hey, darling, we sit in the front row smiling, make sure our kids are perfectly behaved and everything like that. And that's just not us, is that true? That's not how it is. And, uh, but see, what... Well, they got everybody talking then, didn't it? I was like, yeah, we're all, who, we might have an altar call right now. <laughs> but the thing is this, is that we, it's who I believe I am. Yeah. And so often, um, oh, I just might, let, let me just drop this thought into it. See, so often what our world is and the way the world system is, it all governs on behavior. Our value is all about our behavior, our our. And that's religion. Religion is all about behavior modification. Christianity has nothing to do with behavior modification, even though you hear that, and I cringe every time I hear, I'm going to wreck your theology right now, because I'm visiting, so Pastor Phil can fix it later if he doesn't. (laughs) But I'm telling you the truth. You're never going to change. Christianity is not about changing you, it's exchanging you. It's exchanging your life for his life. You're not trying to be a little Jesus. If you could be a little Jesus, we wouldn't have needed the real Jesus. Mm. And so we're all trying to be as religious as we can and as good as we can. And the more you try to be good, the worse you'll be. Ask your wife. (laughs) Come on, is that true? But see, because we think it's, oh, I've got to change. But see, it's, it's not like that. It's not like that. God doesn't even look at your behavior. Mm-hmm. He looks at your heart. And he looks at your desire. Because let me tell you something. As a parent, as like Andrew stood up here, you know what? It, you, you're almost compelled to love your kids. Now, we as humans, what we do is we go, it's like this. If, is, 
Is this good parenting? You behave good and I will love you. If you don't behave well, I will withdraw my love. Is that good parenting? Very good. That is not good parenting. In fact, that becomes abusive, controlling, manipulative, terrible. In fact, it's destructive to the human soul if you go down that track of doing that. But what's amazing is, you know what, if you can pull a person and speak to a kid, let me tell you something, if you talk, wives, if you don't talk to his behavior, but talk to his desire to be a great husband, guess what you'll actually eventually get? A great husband. But if you keep nagging on his mistakes, his shortcomings, his stupidity, his wrong decisions, his behavior, his laziness, all of it, (laughs) what else do I get called? (laughs) that's what you're going to get but if you speak to heart that's eventually what you're going to get and see as sons and I mean that as a generic term boys and girls all together as heirs let me say that God never talks to our behavior because sin let me tell you something has its own punishment You don't have to, as, as, as a church leader, you know what, I've, to, to a person that's truly repented, to a person that's really, um, who has sinned and hates it, that's a big thing. When you, you know you're born again, you can't do what you used to do and like it. Is that true? Some of you have tried that, sounds like that. You can't do that anymore. The thing now is that when you sin, when you disobey God, it... it grieves your own heart your own spirit feels yuck until you get right with God true you don't need anybody else I've found that you know if I in fact people who are truly repentant will come to you and go oh man I've blown it oh God please 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 pray with me I don't want to fall back into this and I and I know that person is about to hit victory but anyone who blames and excuses their behavior on someone else is stuck non-repentant that's not repentance and I don't know why I'm going there this is weird this is not my point but but I wanted to say this see our our value to God is not based on our behavior it's actually based on his love for us I can remember I went with Susie Susie just come back from Central Australia being out with a group of artists painting in the desert I went with her two years ago and we arrived at our first accommodation uh, in Broken Hill, and the first person I sat across the road, across the road, from the dinner table from, was a gay Jew, and that's what he said he was, like he's Jewish and I'm gay, oh okay, and, and he found out I was a pastor, so he sat opposite me ready to attack, didn't he, ready to get right into me, and I said to him, stop, wait a minute, wait, 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 let me tell you, you think it's like this, that acceptance from God is based on behaviour, Let me say this, if you're loved by God, you feel like you belong. So in any community, if you like, if you, and even in your community, the gay community, uh, you you have a great sense of wanting to belong. And he goes, yeah, that's exactly the problem. We want to belong. Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Because that's a human need. We all want to belong. But the thing is, in your community, if you're, it's all about behavior. As long as your behavior is right, your value goes up. And the more, in other words, the more camp you can be, the more valuable you are and the more you're in. He goes, that, well, yeah, that's true. 
That's true. And as soon as you don't behave gay, you're out. Yeah. Oh. And you think the same thing as God. That as soon as you're, because of your behavior, your value is down and therefore you're out. Yeah. I said, that's not the gospel, that's not the truth. You've, you, you, because you're, you're basing the whole thing on religious point of view, on behavior. Let me tell you something, this is the gospel, is this. You belong to God. And your value is based on what Jesus did for you. And when, what Jesus did, what did Jesus do? And I say to the gay Jew, what did Jesus do? He died for me. And I said, so what's your value? Um, as much as him. That's right. So that's why you belong. Well, ever since then, he was my friend. <laughs> Wherever that Jew asked Susie, hey, wherever I was, he was. He wanted to show me his work. Murray, come and have a look. You know, I was listening to campus, you know. <laughs> yes, Lawrence, let's go and have a look at your paintings. <laughs> it was pretty funny, hey. And he's still, he's like my first, here, here, I would, I tell you, and he would now consider me as his pastor. And he's coming close, he has a good friend, a relationship with another friend of mine, and he's going to get born again, I know that, because he's already, he's, he's actually found out that it has nothing to do with his behaviour. I'll just let that, I feel like that's just got to settle in there for many of you. See, we've got to get away from the knowledge of good and evil of what's right and what's wrong for you. We still think if, if something's wrong has happened to us, we, we, we default to, I don't know why I'm going there either. This is, must be what God is wanting to say to you. This is getting really bad. I had a sermon prepared, then it got changed, now it's getting changed again. This is the prophetic ministry, I suppose. Is this, is that when we, we go after behaviour in order to get value, it all becomes about that. And so if a bad thing happens, maybe what did I do to cause that to happen? And it's that stupid karma thing or, um, or the yin and yang, you know, and all of that is a battle against good and evil in this world. And it's not. Let me tell you something. Good triumphed. Good triumphed a long time ago. And we have to always in every situation choose life. In every situation. In every situation regardless of what's going on, regardless of the environment, regardless of what people are doing or not doing for us or have done or haven't done for us, we need to always choose life for people. Thank you for that rowdy amen. <laughs> Is that true? Come on. That's what Jesus done. Imagine if he come and, okay, now I'm going to come and I'm going to choose right and wrong for everyone. And if you haven't done wrong, if, you haven't, if you've done wrong, you ain't going to get right. But he doesn't come like that, even though he has that, even though our God does have a moral compass, even though God is, but the problem is, the problem really is this, our God only knows good. There's no darkness in him. He doesn't invent evil. He does nothing to do with that. God always, in, in Acts chapter, I think it's nine, is that what Jesus came, doing the will of the Father, blessing everyone, because what? He overcame evil with good. So the focus is never evil or anything like that. It's always good. It's life. Am I hearing? Are you getting this? And you've got to understand this, that trying to get better at things or change is 
a waste of time. Living from, not from, say that to me, from, from being loved, loved totally from God is the way to live. Not trying to do something to get love so that then life will work out. That's religion. Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full. Jesus didn't come so that you would struggle, Ra. He came that you would have life and life to the full. Ever overflowing, abundantly, pressed down, shaken together, running over forevermore. That's why he came. But we tend to look at our behavior and the behavior of others and it wrecks it. Whereas it isn't amazing that Paul could be locked in a prison, beaten with rods, thrown into the, it says that the, the lowest, darkest place of the prison, the lowest, in other words, the septic tank. Let's just think of it just for a moment. A place where all the drains would all run to. So he's ankle deep in whatever, shackled, beaten, and then starts to, says to Silas, let's sing. I reckon we should sing. Would you like to sing, sir? Yeah, yeah, what would you like to sing? Like, where are you working from from that? Like, where, where's that coming from? Do you, do you know what I mean? And they actually think, oh man, wasn't that a good beating? We were considered worthy of a good beating. We must have done such a great job. See the different mindset? Not angry, not bitter, not anything. In fact, the very person that put them in the shackles and decided, this is where I'm going to put you, was the very first person they witnessed to and helped him. And he was, he was about to commit suicide, but they step in and says, do yourself no harm. Goes in there, goes to the guy's house. The same night you cop a beating, you'd be thankful. But no, nah, he starts a church, they charge a church service. Baptize everybody and plan a church. And then move on to the next beating. Because this, and it's an amazing thing when you hear what Paul's wor words are in, I think it's in Corinthians. He says, I don't even judge myself. I don't judge others and I do not even judge myself. You can judge me and I really don't care. Because I don't even try to, I don't measure myself by any sort of measurement. I am who God says I am and that's it. And see, we have to learn how to be sons. Our salvation is all about finding out who we are in Jesus. I love, I, I, one of the great things that the leader of your movement, Pastor Phil Pringle, I don't know if you've ever read any stuff, I hope you do, but if you hear the core thing I know of Pastor Phil's message is Christ in me. Christ in me. I remember when he first came to Australia, he preached that for about three years. Christ in me. And I can see the fundamental thing of that. I remember being asked recently at Hillsong, College, Hillsong Conference, sorry, Pastor Brian Houston sat beside Phil as one of the great, if not one of the greatest apostolic leaders in our nation and asked him about, you know what, if you were going to go, what would your, what, if you are going to go and plant a young church, oh, sorry, if you're a young person going to plant a church, what would your words be to them, Pastor Phil? Brian asked him. He, and he said straight away, find out who you are and settle it. Identity. Find out who you are 
and settle it. Because if you know who you are, it doesn't matter where you're called to or what you're called to or how you're called or what's going on. If you know who you are, it doesn't matter what circumstances because the circumstances won't be able to speak louder than the voice inside of you. And you have to settle that. You have to know who you are because your identity drives you. See, what you get tempted by, the devil tries to make it look like this. What you get tempted by is who you are. That's what he says to it. Look what you get tempted by. Look, you get tempted by uh, opposite sex. So you must be a, a lustful person. Or you're material. Look how you, 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 you want things. Or look how prideful you are. Am I, are you hearing me? You know what you get tempted by? And the devil always says, see what you are? <laughs> I remember like a lot of times now I get invited to speak at youth leaders things. And that question always comes up. I don't know about the gate, I suppose because it's so prevalent in our society, same-sex marriage and that. And you'll always get this question from the floor, which an anonymous given in a card. I have same-sex attraction, yet I'm involved in the leadership of a youth ministry. And of course, guess who they get to answer that? Must be because of me, because they must have heard the story about me and the gay artist or something. <laughs> but I say, oh, you think, oh, you think, you think that if you're heterosexual, it's going to be easier? Like, hey, there's plenty of pretty women everywhere, if you ask me. You know, there probably are pretty boys, but I don't seem to notice them. But you're hearing what the, the ridiculousness of, of that statement. What I, get, what I get tempted with is what I am. It's not true. Let me, let me put it to you this way. Let me, pr- let me prove it to you through Scripture. Jesus, the Bible says, was tempted in all things. So what that would that have made him? He's been tempted in ways that... We have never, that, that would not even come into your imagination. And yet he was tempted, uh, tempted in everything, everything possible, every temptation known to humanity. Jesus had that come at him, yet without sin. So does that make him, does that have anything to do with his identity as the son of God? No. Can you see it? Oh man, I think some people just got set free then. This is like a giant deliverance ministry. How about we go there? I might, I think I've got that scripture (laughs) in amongst the many that I have here for sonship because it's, let's just go there. Is that cool? Yeah, let's just, it's in Matthew. This is not going the way I thought. But I know it's the way Jesus is wanting it.
Let's go to here, yeah, Matthew chapter 4. It says, And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And has he been fasting 40 days and 40 nights? And afterwards, he was hungry. Amen. And now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to turn, become bread. See what he's saying? If you are. Now, if you read in the, 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 if we go back up, just the last verse of chapter 3, it says this in 17. It says, this is what the Lord, well, let's just go up to 16. And this is Jesus being baptized. And when Jesus was, came up immediately from the water, behold, the heavens were open to him, and he, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove, alighting on him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That sets the whole thing up. And of course then, so he's what? He's a son and he's beloved. And guess what Jesus had done up until that point? Zippo. No miracles, no preaching, no disciples, nothing. In absolute obscurity. The only miracle he was was a virgin birth. That was it. There's no, you, can, you can read into all sorts of things. You can think that obviously something was going on. Mary knew he could do miracles, but he was very reluctant to do them. So he probably hadn't done any up until that point. Okay? Nothing special. Nothing special. Whatever furniture or wagon wheels or anything he met is all eaten by termites now. Nothing significant. Nothing big. Interesting, isn't it? Yet he was beloved and he was the son of God. And then Satan goes on to him, and if you can read through that, I'll just go through quickly, is this, he says, number one to him, he says, turn this stones into bread, do something relevant. All to prove who you are. See, again, prove, prove. See, sometimes, isn't it so funny in, in church life now, we've got to be relevant. Who has heard that? But the problem is when you need to be relevant, it needs to be, the world has to do something that then the church can react to it. And we're not meant to be reacting to the world. We're meant to be, we're actually meant to be not, not relevant, we're meant to be prophetic. We're meant to be on the leading edge of things. We're meant to be leading the way in life. We're meant to be leading the way. I love your movement because it pushes the arts, it pushes creative, it pushes slowly the problem is still we're behind we're about i believe we're at least three or four cycles creatively behind what the world is doing our music just sounds like you know Coldplay of five years ago i'm oh, sorry i didn't want to insult anyone but <laughs> especially Coldplay. <laughs> but is it true we haven't come up with a sound, you know, and you just and I used to cringe, you know, Christian heavy metal, <laughs> Christian hip hop. I'm going, oh, I hate that because it's like the world has done something and now we're going to copy it, which isn't wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just not. We're way behind where we could be, and should be. And so, did you notice? Know, see, was Jesus able to turn stones into bread? Was he? Yes, does he? No. 
And again, he's what, he takes him up into... Uh, well, oh, we'll read it. Is this okay if we just diverse a little bit? Oh, that's right. And then the devil took, he, took him up to the high city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple. Of the temple. Verse 6, and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and their hands, they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You think, Jesus, yeah, isn't that funny, you know, use scriptures on the devil. Well, the devil's pretty good at using them too, let me tell you. Verse 7, and Jesus said to him, it is written, and so back at him, like a tennis ball, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. In other words, it's saying this. Do something spectacular. Isn't it funny when we don't know who we are, we try to look better than what we are. Is that true? We try to present well. See, our world system is all about that you're not good enough. You're not good enough in what you wear. You're not good enough in your, with your hair colour. You're not good enough at your weight. You're not good enough with your education. You're not good enough with that sort of car. You're not good enough with that sort of shirt. You're not good enough. You should be wearing or driving or smelling or looking like our brand. And if you buy us, then you'll be acceptable. You're not spectacular the way you are. Is that true? See, sonship doesn't need to prove itself. Sonship knows it's like when... You can always tell when you're saying the truth to a person, they get angry. (laughs) If you call a person that really suffers with low self-esteem ugly or stupid, they'll get angry. They'll react. They might not necessarily show it up front. They might be pretty good at masking. But on the inside, they'll be angry. Or someone, and and I, I give you that as a test. You know, when people are saying stuff to you and you get angry, guess what's really going on the inside? That you're upset, that your cover's blown. And now they've discovered what you really believe about yourself. But isn't it funny, and it is funny, when people say stuff that doesn't relate to you, you laugh. I'll prove it to you. I'll just look at this. Does he, what's your name, mate? Doug. Doug. Hey, Doug. How are you? Good. Good to meet you. You know what Doug's problem is? <laughs> We're about, you know, he's a kangaroo. <laughs> now, you think, I don't have a problem. Murray has a problem. Is that true? Now, what was your immediate reaction? You laughed. You laughed because you thought, that's not true. I am not a kangaroo. <laughs> Because, see, that's the immediate. See, he laughed. He got uncomfortable thinking, am I? (laughs) Oh, mate, maybe I'm going to get set free here. You can just bounce on out of here, Doug, and you'll be going good. That's true. See, if we, that's the thing. If someone says something to us and and we know that that's just ridiculous, we laugh. Someone says, oh, you idiot, and you laugh, you know? Someone, you know, you, you do something, you know, and you make a mistake and you laugh. Oh, man, that wasn't that dumb. <laughs> because it's not. It's, but when we do something dumb and we, you're so stupid and you get angry, that's identity. 
And we need to learn to laugh. And of course, the last thing that the devil does to tempt Jesus, isn't it funny to tempt him to do something spectacular? The last thing, you know, to go up, you know, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and he says, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give them all to you, is to do something significant. Isn't that an interesting term that, that really goes to the fundamental need of every human being is significance. But see, if I'm needing to achieve something to be significant, I'm not. I'm not. But if I know I'm significant, significance will flow from me I won't have to chase it. Is that true? It's like this. I don't know if I've told this story many, many times, and excuse me if I told it here before. But do you, do you know that Paul McCartney, who knows Paul McCartney? The Beatles, ever heard of them? <laughs> I think it's Sir Paul McCartney now, I think it is. I think he's made, I, I think I've read, and I can remember, I think this was back when I was still an apprentice, which is like 30 years ago, that he has made $60 for every second that he has ever lived. So that was 30 years ago. Who knows what it is now? Okay, Paul McCartney. Um, but when he, was, when he and John Lennon were forming a band, they had no money to, make a, to, to get a bass guitar. So they got hold of a second-hand electric guitar, and of course Paul is left-handed, so they had to turn it overboard, file out the frets and file out the things to fit um, bass strings on it and made a six-string electric guitar into a four-string bass guitar and it sounded terrible. <laughs> it's a piece of absolute junk but right now it's in a vault in Harrods and there's an argument now over who should own this thing because it's the first bass guitar that Paul McCartney ever made ever played so its significance is not in what it is its significance is in who made it who made it and see you look like your dad I can tell your gods because you look like him you reflect him. You know, you have his genes, his DNA. No wonder you desire to do the miraculous. Desire, there's a desire in you to do good. No wonder there's a desire in you to see something great. It's not that the greatness is out there, the greatness is in here. Because you're a son of God and you are well-pleasing to him not based on your behaviour or what you've achieved or what your mistakes or your, your, what you have achieved and what great things you have done. It's actually irrelevant to him. He just loves you because you're you. It's hard for us Westerners to get that, that it's not based on what we achieve. But we, we as Christians work from such a place of being loved and accepted and owned and, and 
cherished and, and held and loved and secure. We go chasing after security in all the wrong places, yet we have it. We try to get acceptance from people in ministry and doing all sorts of things, and yet we have it. We try to get um, security from owning things or knowing people and having money or savings or a business or a network of friends, trying to get security so that our world is... And yet, we have such security inside of us. You know, even now, Lord, I pray I call it out of these people right now in Jesus' name. Your acceptance of them. Your stability inside of them. See, the whole world, it says this. The whole world aches. It says that all of creation groans for the revealing of the sons of God. For us to be who we really are. Yeah? For us to be who we really are. Not insecure. Not needy. You've heard, who's got a needy friend? Hopefully not sitting next to them, sort of beside them. You know those needy friends? Bless them. They're like that sucker fish. They're those conversations you get into and you can't get out of. They're those people that when you text, they keep texting back. They keep the conversation going. We come from a place of total acceptance. You couldn't get more accepted than what you are. You don't have to change to get more accepted. Isn't that a wonderful? You don't have to do more to get loved more. And what's amazing is you can actually do less and it won't change how much you're loved. God is amazing and powerful and He's your Father and His blessings rests on you. And there's nothing, isn't that amazing? The only person that stops you from enjoying the great life that he has for you is you. It's not people. It's not your, it's not your part. We can blame all that. We want to blame those things. We want to blame what people haven't done or done for us. But let me tell you something. Is that more powerful than what Jesus has done for you? The Bible says that the children of Israel did not enter into their rest because of unbelief. It wasn't because the nations that they had to conquer were stronger than them because they had God. Is that true? It wasn't because of the abuse and the neglect of the Egyptians. It wasn't that. It wasn't because God hadn't provided for them for 40 years. It was simply that they didn't believe. I believe that C3 Tugger is a believing house. And you need to be all that you can be in Jesus. Amen. You do the gospel no favours in not being all that Jesus made you to be. He loves you, cares for you, has great things for you, but they'll actually come from who you are. Great people do great things. Is that true? And you already are great. Your significance is not found in who knows you or if anybody writes about you or how many friends you have on Facebook. It comes because you have a Father in Heaven that knows you. 
We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Let's be.